Yet they delivered their message that they were to deliver. They didn't stop and say, man, that was close. We should run back. They're going to kill us. They were willing to go all the way. And that's the question for us. Are you willing to go all the way? Are you willing, as Paul says, to finish the race, to persevere until the end, regardless of what happens? You say, well, you know, talks about winning the race, but that doesn't mean alive. That just means persevering and being a Christian and the best Christian you can be, even in death. And so these guys are like, hey, we're going to be David's men till the very end. As a Christian, are you willing to persevere until the end? In today's message from Pastor Mark, he teaches you to be like David's men and persevere until the end for Christ. To be a servant for Christ means that sometimes you will have to endure hardship and persecution. However, the pain and trials you may have to endure will be nothing in comparison to the glory and joy that will come to you in the Lord. To follow the Lord wholeheartedly always carries a cost. However, that cost far outweighs any potential suffering. Keep pursuing the Lord and sharing Him with the world. Persevere and finish your race well. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 17 with today's edition of Come Alive. If you guys will turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 17, we'll pick up there. We're going to be learning about serving others. 2 Samuel chapter 17. You know, last week we went through chapter 17. We stopped at a spot and I'm going to kind of just go back a little bit. We're going to pick up in verse 15 and we're going to kind of just talk a little bit about how God knows what to do in our lives, your life and in my life, to bring disaster, basically. You know, and you might think, why? God's going to bring disaster. Well, of course he does. He's going to bring disaster to our lives if we're not cooperating with his plan and program for our lives. He allows that. He says, hey, I'm trying to discipline you. And and so sometimes it, it is disastrous. And it's because sometimes the disaster is something we've caused by our own hands. But that doesn't mean that even if you're cooperating, that you're not going to have trouble because, well, because you are. See, God has a a specially designed curriculum to make you into what you are to become. Not so much to what you might want, but to what you are to become. And that is like his son. So whatever he has to do to accomplish that, he will. And if you think about what Jesus went through on the cross, that was kind of, that would in most of our eyes be a disaster, but as Christians, we know that it's not. The world might see or hear of someone dying on a cross and being crucified as a disastrous event, but you and I need to look at that and see that, man, it, it was a shameful event that we caused. It's the consequences uh, that we caused to an individual who wanted to take on our sin and die for us and become a sinner for you and I, and he had done that for us. So today in 2 Samuel, verse 15, chapter 17 is where we are. It says, Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, Thus and so Ahithophel advised Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so I advised. So if we stop right there, we remember from last week that that Ahithophel had a good plan. It was a great plan of conquering to conquer David. And you say, well, you know, 
sleeping on the roof with his with David's concubines, Absalom doing that, and their tent being built. How is that good? Well, I'll tell you how it's good. Go back to verse 14, and it says, So Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The advice of Hushai the archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel, for the Lord had purpose to defeat the good, there it is, the good advice, and so of Ahithophel to the intent. So remember, he didn't make Ahithophel's advice foolish. He just made the ears of those men be able to hear something that sounded better. Ahithophel's advice was the best plan, and it was the better laid plan for him to do that, to sleep with David's concubines, to show that, number one, first and foremost, that Absalom, being the son, was 100% committed to the coup. And then to go in and storm David and his men where they were at. But yet Hushai, we see today, will buy time for David. Look at verse 16. It says, Now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, Do not spend this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. So Hushai says, Hey, David, though I've bought you some time, still get out of there. We don't know if Absalom's going to change his mind. We don't know if he's going to take the advice of Ahithophel. And so notice what it says in our verses, quickly. It says quickly here. Advice or counsel was sent to David quickly. And there's an urgency to get the information to David, and it required servants, servants, people who are willing to risk and sacrifice for their king. And so these servants, these spies that were left behind, run to David very quickly and give him the information. And there are amazing servants here in our fellowship as well, and in many other churches that work hard to get the word out about their king to the people, about Jesus Christ. And it's our job for you and I. And so today we're going to look at what it is to be a true servant, what is required. And it's our job to do so, you and me. We need to be wise about how we do it. And we're going to see the wisdom here. And we saw a little bit of it last week. There's some wisdom. And we need to be wise. We need to be kind. And we need to have an urgency to get that message of hope out. We have this message. And just sitting on this message doesn't do anyone any good. And you might think, well, you know, it got me here. But think about if that person didn't share that information with you. If that person wasn't bold enough to say, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus or maybe even taking it a step further and being bold enough to say, hey, would you like to make that decision today? And so, you know, just sitting on it and not sharing doesn't allow change to take place. We might all wish somebody would change and hope somebody would change, but if we don't give them the message on how to change, then how can they change? Look at verse 17. It says, now Jonathan and Ahimaaz stayed in Enrogel, for they dared not to be seen coming into the city. So a female servant would come and tell them, and they would go and tell King David. So now, in any kind of service, there needs to be a plan. There needs to be a plan. So if we're talking about us, and we see that these guys have a plan, but when you and I serve, we need to count the cost, and we also need to have a plan. And so one of the great things that I think that is a simple plan for us as Christians when we want to share our faith or we want to tell someone about Jesus or we want to tell them something we learned in a Bible study is, number one, pray. Pray. If you're taking note, just write that down. P-R-A-Y, pray. Pray about who you want to share the information with and what information needs to be shared because you may have a plan to share a certain amount of information, maybe a Bible study you heard on the way into work or maybe something that was said here or maybe something from your quiet time, but maybe the Lord says, no, 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 
I want you to share something else. Maybe something he'll, he'll bring to remembrance, something that you learned a while back that just fits for that person or that individual. So there's got to be a plan. First part of the plan is pray. Just like David and his men, they didn't really have a war room, but most battles are won in a war room. There needs to be a plan. They plan out where to attack. They make it strategic. And so just asking the Lord and saying, hey, can you help me with this? I want to have a strategic plan in place to tell somebody about you or about the hope that lies within me. Some people, you know, they sign up for service in a church. It could be motivated by emotion or feelings. And so inside the church, we talk about having servants. And it was funny that that guy says, oh, we should be, you know, shouldn't be servants. We should be conquerors. We should have our own servants. And, and that's true. We should be conquerors and there should be servants. And that means all of us being servants. But whether you serve in a role of a, a spy for the king or an usher for the king or a children's ministry volunteer or whatever, we need to make sure we count the cost. Number one, pray about it. See if that's where the Lord has you go. Sometimes you might say, well, I don't have an answer. And I'm saying, well, then go for it. And maybe you'll get your answer. You'll find out, number one, that maybe you love children. Or number two, they drive you crazy. Or three, you really don't like kids and that's not for you. And so then there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you know what? This isn't a ministry for me. That's why we're kind of like, hey, let let people check it out. Let them kind of see what they're going to get into before they get into it. And you might see something and be like, hey, you know, I could do that a little bit better. Or maybe the Lord gives you something to share with that. And you're like, man. And you start taking notes as you're auditing these things. And so it will require time. That's another part of the cost you need to count. Whether you're in the band or whether you're going to teach a message, it requires time. It's not just something you get up here and you pull out of the hat. It requires time and study. It requires time and practice. It requires time and quiet time as well, because you can't just get up here and do this. You get quiet time, memorization, prayer, study. It requires something from you. So count the cost first and foremost. As an usher, someone may come in and, and request prayer from an usher. I remember, and I was talking to these guys this morning when I first went to church, I looked at everyone that worked at that church, from the ushers to the guy who did announcements to the pastor, from the top all the way to the bottom, the coffee shop guy, I expected all those people to know something about the Bible that they were boasting about. Because why would you call yourself a Christian and when somebody comes up and has a problem and just be like, well, I don't know what to do. I remember most of the people I spoke to knew. And after a few weeks of hanging around this church, I did bump into someone that worked at the church and he didn't know. And I remember my thought was like, man, I just felt so ripped off that that guy would call himself a Christian. And then the Lord grabbed a hold of me and said, well, you're a Christian and you don't know. So it made me really sit down and say, well, what I do want to know, and I'll give what I do know. And so when somebody would ask me a question, I would say, well, you know, I don't know about that particular thing. And I don't know what verse to point you to, but I'll tell you this. Can I pray for you? Can I pray with you? And then I would go, and after I'd pray with that person, I would go and find a pastor or somebody that was free that I trusted that knew a little more about the Bible than me and say, hey, there was this guy and he was talking to me about this problem, what verse could I point him to? And they would show me. And so in one of my Bibles, I would put in the front the problems that I would hear about. And maybe somebody needed some encouragement. I'd write encouragement and then write verses out next to it. And then I, I started doing that all the time. So if somebody came up and said, man, hey, I'm going through this rough time. I just lost a friend. I'd be like, oh, okay. And I'd turn to the front of my Bible and, and I'd look and I'm like, oh, here, let me give you this verse. 
Or if I really didn't know and it was really too big for me to really even handle, and, and 90% of the time I did this, it's like, man, let me pray for you. I'd give them a verse, but you should go see a pastor. You should go try to make an appointment with somebody to point them to the right place. I just wanted to serve in that capacity. And as I kind of hung out around that church, some guys were like, hey, you know, we see you around here all the time. Well, where do you work? And I would tell them where I work, but I would, my days off, I would come up there and hang out. And it was fun to hang out. And, and then one day somebody said, hey, you want to help clean some stuff? And I'm like, man, clean stuff? Yeah, I'd love to clean stuff. I get to work in a church. And I didn't get paid for it, but it was just serving. And then I remember when I signed up for service, they had a night where they talked about it. And they said, hey, if you're interested in serving, go out to the front foyer and there's some forms. And so I said, I don't know where I want to, where I want to serve. So one of the guys that was kind of my mentor, he was a pastor. He said, hey, I think you would do real well here. Let's pray about it and see. And so I said, man, okay, cool. So we literally prayed. And I said, okay, I'll sign up. And they stuck me in a, in a room full of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Now, I didn't enjoy the smell very much, but I enjoyed the time that I had in there because growing spiritually with those children was amazing. I, I learned at a level listening to their youth pastor. I got to learn at a at a a level, I don't want to call it dumbed down, but I got to learn at a level that was easy for me to understand. And then I'd get to sit in the big service and hear other stuff. And then so it started coming together. And so even in children's ministry, and this isn't a plug for children's ministry, it just happens to be about servanthood. And some people are like, well, I don't know that much about the Bible. I'm like, man, if you go in there and you sit down and you read one of those little kids' Bibles to the toddlers, you'll learn the basic stories about Abraham, Moses, Noah, David, Samuel. You'll learn those basic things. And then when you come in here, you'll be like, oh, yeah, Samuel, I know where that's at. I recognize that story. And so, you know, as an usher, someone might come up and request prayer. And if you're ushering or being an usher, I guess is what we should say, you might say it's not my job to pray. You know, it's the pastor or the leadership, but it is. It is all of our jobs to lift people up in prayer to pray for them. It's yours, whether it's yours or not, whether you serve or not. You may not serve in this fellowship, and somebody might just want prayer. You might look across the room and say, man, the Lord's really tugging on my heart. I want to go up and ask that person if I can pray for them. And you don't need to know the details. They may give it to you. They may not. So they usually look, what people do is look to servants first. And so we all should serve. So hopefully you are one that offers prayer as well, to pray for your friends and your family in Christ. And this place needs to be a house of prayer. That means when we leave, when we drive down the road, that we're praying for the people we've just hung out with. When we get home, that if God calls one of them to remembrance, that we're praying for them. So these guys and this girl here that we see in our story today, they're willing to give their all for the king. Think about what they're willing to give their whole life to do this. Because if they got busted, someone saw them. If the enemy had an agent, well, it would mean death for them. And one time it was cool. I got to hang out with some some guys and, and they were talking about Billy Graham and they said this guy had actually spoke to Billy Graham and said, hey, Mr. Graham, I would give my whole life to be able to do what you do. And he said, well, if you do it, it will cost you your whole life. And we talk about that in ministry too. It will cost your whole life. Everything you begin to do, will it will start to revolve around you being that Christian. Ministry is just being a Christian, just being who you're called to be having a heart for those who are hurt and those who are broken. Look at verse 18. It says, Nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom. But both of them went away quickly, came to a man's house in Baharim. And if you remember that place, that's where that crazy dude was throwing rocks and cussing at David, who had a well in his court. 
and they went down into it. And then the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and spread ground grain on it, and the thing was not known. So this young kid sees these guys running and going to give information and says, hey, you know what, I'm going to rat these guys out. And so they hear of it. The woman, they hide at this guy's house, and this woman puts him in a cistern. It was common for these cisterns, if they were dried up, to be used as, as a place to dry grain. They would put a flat board or a flat piece of cloth over the top, and they'd sprinkle grain on it, and they would dry this grain out, whether it be for seeds or planting for the next crop. Verse 20 says, And when Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, they said, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? So the woman said to them, They have gone over the water brook. And when they had searched and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. Now it came to pass after they had departed that they came up out of the well and went and told King David and said to David, Arise and cross over the water quickly, for thus has Ahithophel advised against you. So David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed over the Jordan by morning light. Not one of them was left who had not gone over the Jordan. So again, an empty well or an empty cistern was used to dry out grain. And so this lady hides these guys. She scatters the grain and the dust probably landed on the cloth or the board. So these guys, when they walked up, it looked like it had been sitting there a while. And when they leave, they crawl out. And so Jonathan and Ahimaaz, they're obviously noted as well by these people that they could be turncoats. They could be spies for David. But So the message was out. But yet they delivered their message that they were to deliver. They didn't stop and say, man, that was close. We should run back. They're going to kill us. They were willing to go all the way. And that's the question for us. Are you willing to go all the way? Are you willing, as Paul says, to finish the race, to persevere until the end, regardless of what happens? You say, well, you know, talks about winning the race, but that doesn't mean alive. That just means persevering and being a Christian and the best Christian you can be, even in death. And so these guys are like, hey, we're going to be David's men until the very end. Well, when's the end? When you die. When do you die? Between now and whenever. And so these guys are willing to give it all, their whole life, their whole life. And so here Jonathan and Ahimez get the message delivered and notice that David, look, what's David do? He takes their counsel. He doesn't sit back and go, oh, well, I should pray about this. Let me pray about this. Well, guys, you, you know, you're not army commanders like I am, and you don't have the mighty men like I have. And so, you know, for you to tell me to get up and cross over, well, you got to think, I'm a great man of war. Who are you to tell me what to do? He didn't say any of that. He took their counsel and he left. I bet he was glad to hear the message and what's going on in Jerusalem, what was taking place. And so what I'm saying is sometimes you might go to someone for counsel or someone might come to you for counsel and say, hey man, I, you know, I love you as a brother or a sister in the Lord and this is what I'm kind of seeing and here's my advice. I can't tell you how often I do this in counseling. I'm like, hey, let me give you some advice. Let me give you some scripture to back that up. Let me give you some more advice, some more scripture. Go, therefore, and do likewise. And then in a day or two, they call, and they're freaking out and everything. Like, well, did you do what, what was asked? Did you follow what the scripture said? No. Well, do you want me to feel sorry for you? How do you want me to feel for you? Why are you calling now? Because you didn't take advice the first time, and it makes me really reluctant to give you advice this next time. And you guys might say, well, gosh, Mark, you know, not everybody's perfect. Well, I understand that. But sometimes it needs to be taken quickly. 
and by the counsel of two or more. And so sometimes you hear people that will say, yeah, well, that's what so-and-so told me, and that's what so-and-so told me. And like a bunch of so-and-sos told them so-and-so, and yet they do otherwise. And so they remain. It's like, well, you, it seems you enjoy the mess you've gotten yourself into and until you're ready to crawl out of that pit and, and really take the advice and do the hard work, then I don't know if I... I one more time, I'll, let's do it another time. And you do it another time and then it's like, oh, that's just impossible. It's not impossible. So David, you know, he's not so filled with pride that he can't hear the advice, he can't take it. If David had this pride-filled attitude, it would have been a, a pitfall, not just for him, It's not just David that's involved. It's all the people that are following him. That would be as if somebody was giving me advice. If I said, well, donor of this building is going to raise the rent three times the amount that we already pay, and then he's going to take half of the parking space, and yet the city hasn't even finished looking at what we've done. And somebody says here, and a couple of guys in here in the church and and some other people from outside the church say, hey, you know, there's a better place over there, and it'd be better if you rented that. It's for the same price or a little more, but you'd have the parking, you'd have a building, and I'm like, no, no, the Lord called us here, and we're going to stay here. And I didn't take their advice, and then we lose everything. And then I go and be like, well, gosh, how could that happen? Godly men and, and godly people counsel otherwise, and yet I'm too pride-filled because, well, you know, this is what the Lord told me, and then... but." He, it might be for a season. It may be forever. Who knows? But it, when that happens, we've got to act quickly. So when we refuse the counsel of the one who loves us most, that would be Jesus, and it's backed up by Scripture, we always risk the lives of those that are around us. That I would risk your lives, and not in a dangerous way, but in a sense that, well, now we have no place to worship. And then you would also be like, well, this guy doesn't make really great decisions, and now I don't, I'm not sure if I want to follow him. And so now there's this problem, and my sin has, well, it's affected and has an effect on you as well. And so David doesn't want to risk the lives of those people that are around him. And so God does put people in your path to help and direct and to guide and to to just kind of nurture you and bring the message. They're called servants. We are called servants. There's good counsel and there's bad counsel. Satan comes as an angel of light. He can disguise himself. And so there's a reason why we need to go to counsel and to the Word. And that's why I always tell you guys, don't just trust me. Pick this up and read it. Check it out and see what happens. I'm only a human. I'll make my mistakes. But notice David packs up and leaves, and we need to learn when to immediately take the advice and go. Sometimes it's just this last week. I wasn't going to go to California for the Senior Pastors Conference. I was having a rough couple of weeks, and I kind of just figured that, you know what, the following week, if I was gone, would be just as rough or even rougher. How can I leave with all this stuff going on around me? And so my wife takes me and sits me down, and she gives me some great advice. She counsels me. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. 
Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.